and welcome to a very special edition of the Hobcast. It is a mini-sode, our very first. Our very first? Well, actually, no, it isn't our very first. We've had mini-sodes before. Well, we kind of from events. Yeah. But we've never done it this way before, which no. is to have a midweek episode to celebrate one of our own books, which came out, what, two, three weeks ago now? Yes, just over two weeks ago. Um, and you're talking about The Bad Neighbour by Jenny Ensor. Indeed. Jenny Ensor's Bad Neighbour, which has been an enormous launch success yeah has... for us it's been it's been tremendous actually it's like the, the first thing i think about when i wake up at the moment it's great yeah it's really really been very positive now we did release it for uh, for for launch and we're keeping it going for a little bit longer at 99p or 99 cents just as an experiment see how it does it now other publishers do these things and actually it's been very very successful what we hadn't anticipated because you don't make much money frankly, on launch at 99p because your royalty rate is only 30% of that 99p. And so that really is very difficult to make any money on that. But what we hadn't anticipated is just how many people have recognised the book and downloaded it on Kindle Unlimited. And the page reads has contributed hugely to the income the book has made. So that's been fantastic. And it has been a bestseller, number one in two categories on yes. Amazon as well. And also in hot new releases on in one of those categories. So yeah. that's kind of like three in a way. Yeah. <laughs> now, The Bad Neighbour uh, is one of those books which, I mean, Jenny writes across genres. Yes, she's very good at that. I would say my personal response to Jenny is that she's very good at character and she's very good at the psychological element within the character, but she's good at having different levels to her writing so she covers different topics you you got the surface story but you delve deeper and she's going much deeper so for example in this one there's an element of um racism that's covered um and then of course there's the, the what happens in a covid pandemic situation to the minds of people um so you know it's just she, she, she it looks like she writes very different books because if you were to compare silenced with the bad mm. neighbor you'd think on, to, on the surface, is this the same person who's written this? But actually, there are a lot of similarities. She's, uh, would, she's very would, good at that. Would you say that, I mean, we've given it a, a, a cosy-ish cover, mm. and it's one of our best covers to date. Jane Mapp, congratulations. And it's just brilliant. We, were breath, we took our breath away when we saw it the first time, and it's obviously resonated with readers. But is it a psychological suspense in cosy clothing? That's a good way to describe it because um, so when Jenny delivered it, she said, well, it's kind of cosy, but it's also got a bit of humour, but it's quite dark humour. It's also, you know, psychological thriller as well. And between us, we would say, well, you know, we do need to classify this as something because that's the way, you you know, when you publish books. So, yes, what you said is actually a really good way to describe it. Unfortunately, there isn't a category for that. <laughs> no, there isn't. And And actually, one of the things that the indie movement um you know the, the the gurus out there who say if you want to sell books then you've really got to be on the money in a particular genre and not try to stray too far and mix things together but actually one of the joys of being an independent publisher is to take risks and to creatively support authors to do exactly that which is to take elements of different types of genre and you know I don't want to use the word mash-up, but you know what I mean. Yep, and every now and then you hit the sweet spot. It doesn't happen every single time. But you think about, uh, so Janice Hallett is a good example. When she published um, 
uh, the appeal, that was difficult to classify. It's got elements of cosy in it, but it's it's composed of emails and text messages. You know, nobody's ever seen anything like that before. So you take a you take a risk, and every now and then, you hit a sweet spot. For yeah, reading. that's true. It, it that is a very good example of something that was was using. Um, is it? Uh, I can't remember. Is it epist? Epistology or something. Epistop- anyway, I can't remember the the phrase, but there is a there is a literary genre where you use letters. Oh, you tell okay. a story through letters, and it, so this is a modern a, version, a of modern that. take on it, and using social media emails and that sort of thing. So um, that, that that was that was its sort of uh, gimmick. You, if you're being very stark about it, you could say it's a gimmick, but at the same time, actually, it was a very very savvy and intelligent creative choice but there are examples throughout the history of publishing of of, of things like this where somebody's almost a sort of the, the trailblazer yeah. they, and then they create a genre i mean you could always you could also argue 50 shades of gray did that to an extent yes it did yeah. yes yeah i mean it, not... it certainly it certainly, <laughs> certainly don't want to compare this book to that no but... <laughs> and it certainly set off a lot of copycats but i mean the the, the, the number one thing we need to point out is that the, the biggest creative risk with this book was to base it during and make covid a feature a key feature of the plot dynamics which a lot of authors have chosen not to do covid mm. others have addressed it but this hits it squarely yeah and actually this came up when jenny first delivered it and we did take the cautious line initially you know we said are we sure we want to have a book that is set during the covid pandemic and actually covid is quite a key part of the plot in you could argue, a negative way. And, you know, we did a lot of research into this. Jenny also did her own research and asked a lot of people about this. And we took the risk. We did. And we've published it. We've and published we're delighted it. with it. OK, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Jenny. Then we're going to hear some readings. Yes. By two fabulous performers of key characters from the book. So those are some lovely opportunity to hear what's within The Bad Neighbour. And then when we've finished speaking to Jenny, we shall uh, be back with you to look ahead to our next episode. Because we didn't actually tell you who next week's guest on the Hopcast proper you is. Know what? We didn't, did we? No. That's very so, remiss of us. So we're going to do that after this. But let's speak to our fabulous Hobeck author, Jenny Insall. A bestseller tag. You're first. How did that feel? Well, I'm delighted. It was a bit difficult to believe when I saw it, but... Yeah, I, I didn't see for a while, and I'm just over the moon. And in two categories, too, uh, so yes, two out yeah. of the three, and it's still uh, pretty well, well I, in the third one. I was a little anxious before it was published, so for many weeks I was thinking, oh, the God, was this a good idea or not? But I, I'm really, really pleased that it has done so well. Yeah, and that we took a departure with this as a company and, and in conjunction with you, and it's your suggestion, in fact, that we went with the 99p launch, 99 cents launch, which is the first time we've done that. And look, it's not unusual for uh, our rivals to do that. The likes of Joffy do this all the time. And it's, I think, been really remarkable what it has achieved because you've got this bestseller tags, which is terrific. We've also seen... Uh, you know, strong sales every day. Mm. And it has, you know, it had a good strong launch as well. The launch day numbers were, were pretty good. Yeah, and the blog tour's been brilliant. So, yeah, it, it was worth worth experimenting with. I mean, the, the, the only 
downside, I suppose, Jenny, is that you don't see enormous amounts of money for all those book sales coming in. But but sometimes visibility is the game in digital publishing, it feels. So how do you feel on reflection of that decision that we made together? How do you feel about it, the 99p launch price? I'm really happy. I mean, for me, it is far more important to have loads of readers than to have huge amounts of money in the bank. No, as long as it obviously you have to have some money and <laughs> it, that all. But I think having the readers hopefully in the long term will lead to money somehow, some, some way or another. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it, once, once they like your writing and you write another book, they'll straight away they'll get another Jenny Ensor's come out. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Um, now, in terms of we've, we've talked about. You know, when we were putting this book together and and Rebecca and and yourself were working very closely together to get this produced and and the editing, there were some core issues around the subject matter because you took COVID head on in the plot of this book. And many authors have dodged it. Others have addressed it, but it's it's still so raw for a lot of people. So what were the 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 thoughts you had and the concerns you had, I suppose, about addressing the COVID situation? Yes, well, I I was always aware uh, and I had concerns after looking through various Facebook groups, Crime Book Club and all UK Crime Book Club. And I I was thinking that a lot of readers really didn't want to go anywhere near the pandemic. They said in their comments, oh, yes, I'll never read a book set in the pandemic. This is the last thing I want to do. So I was always aware that I wanted to have a book to be fairly upbeat and to I didn't want to ignore the issues but I wanted to do it in a sensitive way and in a way that felt true to myself and to get across some of the terrible things that happened but not for it those terrible things to be center stage but to to bring out the humor to to bring out some of the well I guess the tragedy as well but to always I guess bear in mind that some people have had a really have suffered a lot Um, but I always think for me I I really like to write about something that is in a I like to write in a time an actual time and a date so that you can pinpoint where it where when it happened and where Um, so for me I I guess yeah it was a it was a challenge but I I just felt that there was a few, there was a lot that was somewhat inspired or came from my own experiences or people I knew and their experiences. But I, and all, no, funny things, not so funny things, but I just felt, yeah, I tried to keep at the back of my mind that people did suffer. And I wasn't, and I didn't want to be accused of, you know, exploiting the COVID thing in any way at all because that people were making these uh, I don't know who uh, back back then a few books came out relating to with some sort of COVID references and no I just thought yeah I don't want to be anything involved in anything like that Mm. I think I think you know you know as as publishers we did have a little bit of nerves about covering COVID but when we when we sent the book to the heart team it was really encouraging that quite a few of them said Jenny has covered this really sensitively and she's also reminded us of 
sort of as well as the low points of COVID, but there were sort of almost amusing points like being stuck indoors and all the sort of things that you forget quite easily. Yeah, I think that's as a collective collective miasma, really, isn't there? That yeah. we're all we've all got this shroud that dropped. But I I can't even put numbers on when things happened anymore it, it's become i don't know what it is about the human condition that tries to cauterize one's mind from bad experiences but it's what we do yeah, isn't it happens. i mean as humans but, but i remember we, as far as a reaction from potential reaction from readers and Re- rebecca said something to me about oh do you really want to have a no she was after after reading the section with oh, i can say it was a COVID crime, <laughs> so something involving COVID, which it was a bit unusual. Um, and and she said, oh, "Do you want really want to have this sort of thing?" And I, I thought, "Yes, well." And I asked a few friends, and and most of them who were writers, most of them, but they all said, "Oh, yes, just do it. <laughs> you you really you can't you can't be so sensitive to possible reader you no." Know, maybe offending a few readers or upsetting a few you just have to do and I also felt by the time it gets published that things will have moved on but I think that's good though because I think you have to be brave sometimes I mean we were sort of playing the devil's advocate a little bit weren't we because yeah we did yeah it wasn't necessarily what we as individuals felt but we were just sort of you know yeah I think the nature you've touched on a really important issue which is that actually one of the things about the current uh, drift of culture is that you just don't know what's going to offend and sometimes and I think a lot of the best writers are saying look we just got to get our creativity out there and a voice heard and take the risks and you know uh, well who cares about the consequences but actually you just don't know what's going to what's going to trigger um, but we were comfortable having had that debate to publish the book as it is and at the end of the day it's a story yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a documentary. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was there was something very yeah. When you asked me an earlier question, it just I was just thinking. I, I shared something on Facebook. Some notes I did while Zoom meetings. I I found all these Zoom meetings and their technical issues so interesting when when everyone started doing it. And I had this thing. I put it on notes on my phone, but actual things that people said during zoom meetings and, and i just thought oh yeah so and a few of them have gone into the book uh, they were very funny that i saw that across the <laughs> yeah well there's that moment isn't it, at the end of the zoom meeting where you know you want to go now but it's like te- that 10 seconds well the person fumbles for the end meeting for all <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's still that's still afflicts still, us on yeah. on the hot bars sometimes. We sort of like, oh, quick, where's the button? You you have to put the fixed smile on, don't you, as you reach forward and go for the button. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's not videoed. We also play a trick sometimes. If if the meeting's not going very well, we freeze. But uh, we don't really freeze. Oh, <laughs> it's it's sad, isn't it? Now let, let's um, let's get to the the, the meat of this because we've got some wonderful audio in a moment, um, which came from your launch party, and you gather together some actors to perform some sections of the Bad Neighbour. Uh, first of all, you know, introduce the, the cast for us. Okay, well we have Miranda Hampton who plays Elspeth, and she is coincidentally a seventy. 17- no. 
not 78, she's um, in her 80s and she is a former dancer. (laughs) She came to the launch, but I... She, she came to the launch party dressed up in a bohemian way. I asked her to. Brilliant. <laughs> Diana Berryman, who is the actor I've mentioned before, who was in Notes on the Scandal, and she's been in loads and loads of things. She was in the Royal Shakespeare Company, I believe, years ago. She, yeah, she plays Tara. And she said to me, I hope I'm not like Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that like little bits occasionally creep in. It's funny, isn't it? I think when you're a writer, anyone who is a friend of yours and they read your books, if they recognise anything about themselves in it, they might think, oh, my God, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I have actually told for this one, there's a few friends and I haven't yet had the reaction from all of them. But these are all the good characters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. Well, look, um, well, with no uh, further ado, let's let's hear some of this performance of The Bad Neighbour by Jenny Ensel. Elspeth, are you there? Tara rang again on the doorbell, then brought the knocker down with force. No response. With a flare of irritation, she wiped the perspiration off her brow with a tissue. What was the woman doing? Why couldn't she get her hearing sorted? She pushed open the letterbox and shouted through it. Elspeth, it's Tara. I've got your prescription. Sound of running feet. Elspeth approached the door, breathing heavily. Sorry, I fell asleep in the garden. Have you been there long? Nearly five minutes. I phoned your mobile, but you didn't pick up. I'm sorry. I did put the ringtone on maximum volume. Did you manage to get everything? Tara's irritation mounted. I couldn't get any retinidin, whatever it's called. Apparently it's been discontinued due to problems with the supply. The pharmacist said you need to ask for a replacement medication from your GP. But I need it today. I've run out. I thought I had another packet, but I couldn't find it when I looked in the cabinet. Let's stay calm, shall we? The pharmacy said you need to ask the doctor to issue a new prescription with a replacement medication. She couldn't get her head around the intricacies of how the prescription service worked or didn't as often as not. I'll get it tomorrow. Long pause. Elspeth fidgeted, looking uncomfortable. Would you mind very much going back this afternoon to get it, Tara? I'll get on to the surgery right now. I need to take those pills every day for my esophageal condition. Acid reflux can cause cancer. My throat has been sore since I ran out yesterday. Christ, she was hot and tired and needed a long sit down. Queuing again outside the pharmacy was the last thing she wanted to do, but she couldn't let Elspeth down. All right then, text me when you've got it sorted. Thanks, darling. You're an angel. If you could get a few things from the health food shop too, while you're at it, I'll text you a list. Half an hour later, Tara settled onto the sun lounger in the shade with a mint julep and a pile of paperbacks. A message flashed onto her mobile. Prescription all sorted and here's what I need from the green goddess, Kiss. Tara scrolled through the long list of items from the health food shop along with several items that Ocado had omitted to deliver the day before. She let out a long breath. Tara, 
Are you there? Elspeth's head and shoulders bobbed up from behind the sprawl of shrubs at the fence. Did you get my message? The surgery has sent over another prescription to the chemist with replacement pills. If you could collect it before they close, I'd be eternally grateful. Of course, let me finish my drink and I'll drive over. She took a sip of mint julep. Elspeth didn't move, a worried expression settling over her face. It's five past five now. I'm not sure what time they close. 6.30. Don't worry, there's plenty of time. Sorry, Tara, but do you think you should be driving after drinking alcohol? I wouldn't want anything to happen. Tara plonked her glass down. For God's sake, Elspeth, stop being so neurotic. I'm only having one drink, which I bloody well deserve, thank you very much. The queue outside Linda's pharmacy was even longer than before. Tara shuffled forward, keeping her distance from the woman in front. The shop was understaffed again today. The flustered assistant had announced to everybody in line, presumably as an excuse for the shoddy service. Excuse me, are you in the queue? The woman behind her glared. Tara glared back. She shuffled forward each time another person was allowed into the shop. There was still the stuff to get from the green goddess, too. By some miracle, the pharmacy managed to deliver the medication on Elspeth's new prescription within ten minutes without a quibble. Anything else, madam? No, thank you. As she said it, she regretted not buying something extra for herself, such as a new lipstick to help distract herself from the wrinkles showing on her face during these Zoom meetings. Even with a filter on, being confronted by oneself for hours at a time was not an enjoyable experience. Thankfully, the health food shop was pleasantly cool, given the long list of items she had to get. Seaweed-flavoured miso soup, gluten-free ginger loaf, artichoke paste and other such curiosities. They were expensive too. £5.95 for a carton of prune juice. How does Elspeth afford all of this on her widow's pension? But of course, Elspeth had been earning good money as a dancer for years. She headed upstairs for the final items on the list. A bottle of ridiculously overpriced Arnica-infused massage oil and a hair colouring kit in soft natural blonde. Elspeth always had her locks exquisitely cut and highlighted, courtesy of Curl Up and Die, Brampton's premier salon. She must be desperate to risk colouring her own hair. Tara turned to go back downstairs. As she passed along the aisle, several rows of lipstick tugged at her attention, their colours displayed irresistibly above gleaming metal cases. A brilliant coral shade drew her eye. She couldn't resist picking up the tube. £12.99? How did anyone afford to pay so much for a lipstick? Without thinking, she dropped the lipstick into her basket. The whole lot, including the lipstick, came to £90. As usual, she slipped Elspeth's Halifax card into the card reader, tapped in the pin, 8181, nice and easy to remember. She tucked the lipstick into her makeup pouch, picked up her shopping bags and left the shop.
While walking back to Wilton Close, she felt a flutter of indecision. She ought to give Elspeth money for the additional purchase. What if Elspeth noticed the lipstick listed on the receipt? (laughs) That wasn't likely, though. Elspeth's kitchen was cluttered with ancient phone bills and garden centre receipts that had probably never been looked at. If Elspeth did happen to notice the extra item, Tara could say she meant to pay her back, but forgot in the stress of going back to the pharmacy in the heat. True enough. Besides, she deserved a small recompense for the effort she put in to help out her neighbour, didn't she? Elspeth could afford one measly lipstick. She left the bags on the doorstep, rang the doorbell and stepped back as usual. Seconds later, the door opened, Elspeth appeared, her face steeped in concern. Thanks for going to all that trouble, Tara. I felt bad about making you go out again when it's so hot. Why did you then? She wanted to spit back. She was fond of Elspeth more than she was prepared to let on. But sometimes she hated the woman for her bluntness and lack of gratitude. Elspeth didn't seem to appreciate any of the effort that Tara was making to be a good neighbour. Oh, don't worry about it, love, she said. If you need anything else, let me know. Her ankles had swollen in this unusual heat and she could murder another mint julep. What's this? Elspeth was picking items out of a shopping bag. She held up a two-pack of dairy-free chocolate mousse. I thought you might like it for dessert. Tara pushed her fingernail into the flesh of her thumb. She had to keep calm despite the hot waves of anger now seeping through her body and an urge to open a mousse and push it into Elspeth's face. If Elspeth had the gall to say, it's not what I usually eat or I'm on a diet. But Elspeth was showing off her dimples and slightly protruding front teeth. Thank you, Tara. That's so kind. Now you go home and put your feet up. They were terrific, weren't they? That was great, yeah. Was... Yes, I'm sure they'll be delighted to hear this. I know they will be. Uh, yes, they'll be absolutely yeah, chuffed. Well, you never know when the TV rights are picked up. Yeah, yes, exactly, and that's what they're thinking. I think there's a chance they will. And You know, I think the other thing we ought to uh, pay credit to is uh, a wonderful cover from Jane Mann. Do you know what? I think the cover has helped. It's helped at least people click on it because it's one of the most beautiful covers we've got, I think. There's something about the green and the reds as well, the combination of that. Yeah, it's it's an absolute – I think it's fantastic. I think it, it really, to me, when I saw it, I thought, Wow, that is just another level now. Yeah. So yeah, it's brilliant, yeah. and um, that has a big, big factor in in. in and it in... was also fun making all the sort of marketing stuff around it because using those colours and mm. yeah, and, there and, is. and but then we were talking about you know it being sort of you can imagine it on TV, and I think it was Brian Price who he read an early copy, didn't he? And he said that exactly. He said, "I can see this as a three part drama." <laughs> yeah. Baby Camber. Oh, I, I do. Yeah, I love to um, write dialogue. So, um, yeah, whatever happens if or doesn't. Well, we'll <laughs> see. We'll it. see. Um, and it's had some fantastic reviews as well. Let's let's uh, just. Um, I I think um, it's been fantastic. I think one of the best I've ever. I, there was one which said 
10 stars. That was a, a magazine. In, in oh, yeah, that was a good review. I don't even know. Who I would give it 10 stars if I could. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. And then, uh, you know, a USA um, Today, a yeah. best-selling author. Gail saying one, Clear. Saying one of the best books she's ever read. I know. So. Uh, which is fabulous. So they really have been very, very strong. Um, so, I mean, from a critical point of view, you must be thrilled as well with the reaction it's getting. Yes, I am. Um, occasionally I see a review I don't like, but yes, <laughs> I'm quite okay. It's, it's wonderful. That is uh, it's just one of those things. Yeah. yeah, you have to prepare yourself. I was quite worried just before publication that because of COVID partly, but... But those nerves never go away anyway. Do, I mean, yeah, you know, we speak, speak to people who've written 20 books, 30 books, and they say they still have that feeling that someone's going to say, your last lot was great, but this one. <laughs> yeah, I think you just have to work out the happy somehow to go with good and bad and be resilient and not to take it too much to heart, but to appreciate the good, the good things when they happen. But if it's not so good, just to power through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indeed. it's a fair point. Um, you know, something all of us have to do, I think, in life at the moment. <laughs> Well, Jenny, look, it's been a real pleasure to catch up with you again and to celebrate in this mini-sode of the Hobcast book show, uh, <laughs> The Bad Neighbour, uh, which, of course, is still available. Uh, well, it will be still available, of course, but it's still available at 99p, 99 cents for just 72 hours after this podcast goes live. Yes, we've extended the deadline slightly because it's selling so well. So go for it, people. Yes, you haven't got right. it yet. <laughs> well, it's been great <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> a few more copies get sold. Well, Yay. I hope so. I hope so. But it's doing great. So uh, congratulations and, and thank you for joining us. I think it comes through from that interview and indeed from the readings, just how much care Jenny put into this book in terms of getting it right and finding a way through the COVID issues and all the other things that this throws up. Yeah. And I think also I know, well, we both know that Jenny gets very anxious when she publishes a book. She gets extremely anxious about the reception. I, was, I would argue more than some of the other other writers out there who... Um, I don't know. I it is. I think it's, you know. I always feel quite acutely for her because she does get very anxious. But it's because she puts so much of herself mm. in these books. Yeah, she does. Um, but you know, it. She should feel, um, and I, I think we do too, vindicated by the response that it's had and the continued success. So you can get that from Amazon. Just about. 99p at the moment, 99 cents for just a little bit longer. So that when you hear this podcast, if you haven't got the bad neighbour, get it at that price. Uh, and of course, it's available in paperback as well. And at some point, we shall do the audiobook, but uh, that's in the in the future. But um, yeah, very proud of it. Should now, I just do a very quick plug that Jenny is actually appearing on the UK Crime Book Club Facebook um, group on Friday at seven o'clock. So Friday the what of June coming up. This Friday, 9th. 9th? Yes. 9th of June. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, that's terrific. Well, um, thank you for joining us for this mini-sode. We return with the, the Hobcast proper uh, again next week. And our guest is one of the legends of Icelandic modern fiction. Yes, we, we, we're, we're going to Iceland, not literally, but <laughs> with our So interview. we're talking to Janina Leostotir. Uh, who is one of the most significant figures in uh, the literary scene in Iceland, which, of course, has taken the world by storm in recent years. 
both in the crime world, but in, in a general sense. Yeah, and she's also a friend of Kate and Greg Moss, so that's, it's nice that we have that connection. Absolutely. Um, so I think we're going to get a lot from that. Uh, we're talking to, to a true great, and uh, we're very excited about that. So Yanina Leostotir is our guest on the Hobcast for episode 125, which will be out next Monday. But thank you for joining us for this little mini-sode as we celebrate the launch of The Bad Neighbour by Jenny Ensor. So from myself, Adrian Hobart. And myself, Rebecca Collins. Thank you so much for joining us and join us again for the Hobcast Book Show and in between what remains of the <laughs> week. May it be... A fun and... Creative. We can... Half a week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you.